Hi, and happy holidays. This is Lawrence Krauss, and uh, you're listening to the Origins Podcast. This uh, holiday edition of the Origins Podcast is with one of my favorite writers, and when I met him, one of my favorite people, a remarkable, enjoyable man, Augustin Burroughs, whose memoirs have left me laughing out loud so many times, it's hard to uh, describe how many. And I was incredibly excited to uh, be able to meet with him. Now, we met a while ago, in fact, when, when the podcast was just beginning. Augustine came by Phoenix uh, on a book tour for his then new book, uh, Toil and Trouble, a memoir. And we sat down, we met for the first time and sat down and talked for a long time. And we've been holding on to this podcast to try and figure out the right time to, to uh, release it. And, and I thought uh, over this holiday period, it's, it's a good time to do that because it's really about wishful thinking in some ways, in spite of the fact that Augustine is a remarkable realist in certain ways. I was incredibly excited to get the new book at the time and and, and, and and read it in advance of publication so that I could have a chance to talk with Augustine and discovered the book was really a memoir about his um, view initiated by his mother when he was younger that he was a witch. And I really did not know how to address that issue. And... I've just re-listened to the podcast again, and I forgot how much fun it was to talk. Augustine's memoirs of his own life, he had the most dysfunctional childhood of anyone I could possibly imagine. And in spite of that, and in spite of being victimized in many occasions, he doesn't think of himself as a victim, and we talked about that at great length. He... He has a remarkable attitude about the world and it's a lot of fun to talk to him because he, he is such a wonderful writer uh, and has a wonderful turn of phrase as I, I pulled various parts of his writing during the conversation. But then the, the rest of the conversation is really a good example of sort of science and skepticism because it's a series of examples where Augustine feels he's presented evidence for why he's a witch and why I present arguments for why I think it's a coincidence. And you can decide back, you can decide which one you like better, but it's a kind of fun, respectful back and forth, at the same time enjoyable because he's such a wonderful human being. I really, really enjoyed this conversation and it's kind of a fun holiday listen. We've supplemented um, this episode also with a special episode of Science Matters, also on wishful thinking in a way, although it relates to uh, a bit of science that's been in the news in the last month. And so we're releasing this around Christmas Day for you to enjoy during the holidays. And shortly thereafter, we're releasing the episode of uh, Science Matters. So I hope between the two of them, you'll have a lot of fun listening over the holidays. Again, Hopefully you can watch this without commercials by going to Critical Mass, our Substack site, and subscribing. And paid subscribers to that can watch uh, ad-free versions of this podcast. And uh, if you, uh, alternatively, you can watch it on YouTube. Or, of course, you can listen to it 
on any of the standard podcast listening sites. No matter how you listen to it or watch it, I hope you'll enjoy it, and I hope you'll consider supporting the Origins Podcast through the Origins Project Foundation, the nonprofit foundation that, that runs the podcast, the public events we run, and the travel adventures for people. And uh, in any case, I hope you have a wonderful holiday and a great new year. Thanks. Well, Augustin Burroughs, thank you so very much for coming to join me today. So it's, it's a it's a pleasure, sort of. <laughs> it's completely a pleasure for me, one hundred percent. The the reason it's a pleasure for me, sort of, is that I have fallen head over heels in love with you, reading your books over the years so many times, and then you told me you're writing a new book, <laughs> <laughs> and you come and 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 I think you, I know what you're going to say, and, you, and it frustrates the hell out of me yeah. that I have to talk to you. On this subject, which I want to talk to you about, and I, but and I, and and we'll get there. Yeah, but it's frustrating for me. You know what? That's why I've written eight memoirs first, mm-hmm. and then this, because I was never going to write about it. Because when I was a little boy and I learned about it, my mama told me, yeah. "Don't you tell it's people absolutely. about this because they're going to think you're a fool or crazy or crazy." Yeah, well, I think, you know, I think that's, but the fact that you actually, it's equally hard for me because you've written eight memoirs, because I, I, I wanted, this is an origins podcast, so I wanted to start with your origins, but I, I know more about your origins than my origins, I think, right. because of eight memoirs, and so that's the other part that makes it so difficult. There's so many goddamn things to talk about, and I'm trying, I want to try and hold it together, and I, and I've, I, I'm going to, we'll see how well it does, but let, so what. Eight, I'm glad I counted. I actually wrote down eight memoirs, which is what I counted. So that's, that's pretty good. Right. I can count so up this is eight. the ninth now. This is the ninth yep. memoir, which is too many for anybody. And you know, it, well, it's amazing I mean, that you can write the nine. It's memoirs. a lot. Yeah, it is. It's but a lot. you know, I had the pleasure of going through a number of them again, ones I hadn't read, and 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 and, and ones I had, and they're mostly consistent, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is which yeah. says they're probably somewhat accurate. Which it's, is really, well, they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Little things might slip and yeah, slide of course. Time yeah, and yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. But I, it's really impressive to me when I looked at one and said, "Oh, yeah, this is a story that made it into here." But it's really pretty much the same. And I think people, most of us, when we remember our lives, tend to remember it differently in different days. Well, now, see, that's the thing. When I'm writing about the past, uh-huh. if I'm writing about the distant past. Like, I can't write about the recent past very accurately because yeah. I kind of have a terrible memory. Uh-huh. I've always thought of that. Uh, but if I'm writing about the distant, distant past, um, at first, there's nothing. I think I don't remember anything about being four. Nothing. So I wait. And I've got to be at my laptop when I do this. And all I need is one thing. One little thing. And you know what? Right now, okay, I actually have a thing. Uh, oyster shell. An oyster shell that my mother had. It's an oyster shell. So she used to use clam shells as ashtrays, but she had a um, oyster shell with a barnacle on it. And I can remember the looking at the um, barnacle and thinking that, feeling the little ridge, and thinking it looked like a volcano. So the if I'm Wow. Writing that. Now, I haven't thought of that probably since the day it happened. And I don't doubt that memory. I'm yeah. sure that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can go back and back and back. And it's like watching a movie. So I've got to write. I don't I don't even think of myself as a writer. I'm a watcher. 
and I'm, I watch, I rewatch whatever I'm writing about, and I try to type fast, uh, fast enough to get it out. So, are you talking to yourself? Are you, are you writing to tell yourself what happened? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm like, as opposed to to an audience, yeah. I'm never writing for an audience. Yeah, well, I mean, then I that's write... that, I, never. Because yeah, I wouldn't well, be able to. Yeah, well, I think all of us. Well, I like when I when I do science, I'm doing it for myself too. I, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of people think people are doing things to save the world or otherwise, but we tend to do things for ourselves. But in yeah. your writing, I think that's one of the reasons I like it so much because we were talking beforehand. When I write, I tend to write like I'm talking, like I would talk to myself to try and explain something mm-hmm. to myself. And I, when I read your stuff, partly, and, and now I reflect, partly it's come from journals, which I assume you were writing for yourself, mm-hmm. right, when you mm-hmm. were younger. And so that that um, it it kind of allows a, a person to eavesdrop into your talk to yourself, which is one of the reasons I think it's so popular. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of other reasons, and you mentioned one yourself, which I want to get to in a minute. But I, so I'm trying to think: how can I talk about your life in a way which anyone couldn't get from eight memoirs? And I thought I'd pick and choose things that I found interesting because I find them interesting. Okay, and 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 hopefully they'll lead us to where I want to go because we will get to your new book, which mm-hmm. you, which I know you're. You're on tour for in any case. But first thing that's interesting is you left school after grade four. Right. And that well, is Well, that's unusual. the last grade I completed. Because I did go. I mean, I later... Because back then, in the old days of the 70s, mm-hmm. there was a compulsory education law in Massachusetts, which stated you had to attend school until you were 16 years old. Mm-hmm. So I repeated the third grade twice. And um, the fourth grade was... Uh, the you know Shutesbury Elementary School's production of Alice in Wonderland, and I was the mock turtle with an orange uh, canvas uh, mid-century modern chair cover as my shell, <laughs> and that was my triumph academically. <laughs> After that, I went to um, Amherst Regional Junior High School, and had um, didn't do well, and was tested by the school psychologist, who um, determined that I had an um, an IQ of 80, and she put me in a class with kids who had special needs, and they had, like, a Down syndrome. Jeez. And I loved it. That was the only good day of school <laughs> that I ever, ever had. It was the best day of school I ever had. And when I was done, I went into her office, and I said, you um, are a failure as a psychologist. I mean, when you talk to me, do I seem to you like someone who has an IQ of 80? Does that, does that seem to match up? Does my personality match up to your numbers? Wow. You are a terrible psychologist, and she began to cry. And she said she never wanted to be a psychologist. Um, And I said, okay, so that's totally inappropriate for you to be crying, right? Oh, wow. And I'm never coming back. So I never went back to school. What I did was um, I enrolled at the University of Massachusetts in a couple courses because I knew... Now, I would be going to court. Oh, I and see. sure enough, I'm in front of a judge and I'm saying, yes, but I'm enrolled in these courses at the University of Massachusetts and I'm only auditing them, but the professors have agreed to give me grades. So here, and she was like, it doesn't matter. You have to go back to school. So huh. uh, transferred from the first seventh grade into yeah. eighth grade for a couple, yeah. you know, month or so, and then 10th maybe for a week. A week. And then I decided I was just going to be, I would let the law chase after me. You know, that was it. You know, so I, I never, never went back I, I, you know, that, that thing about the psychologist is amazing, but it, it, it reminded me of something I read, which I, 
it just brought back a memory that I, I wasn't going to talk about, but I was blown away by the way you talk to your math teacher. Um, well, the way you talk, the substitute teacher, the substitute teacher. You're not a teacher. Well, so I just, I'm very polite. You know, I would never be a dick. Never. Uh-huh. I mean, I and, and even when people are assholes to me, uh-huh. I will remain. You know, I'll try to take the higher uh-huh. road. But in that particular case, I had this math teacher in uh, elementary school who, you know, bullied me. I mean, yeah. I didn't understand math, and I, it, no one ever had questions. And it was arithmetic. It's not like I'm taking, you know, calculus. It's elementary yeah. school. It's grade yeah. school, and I still didn't get it. None of it made any sense to me. And um, she just was the substitute teacher and she was would always pick on me you know sure. she would call me Einstein yeah and the kids would laugh and so I was already bullied to begin with and so now and one day she wrote down this formula on the on chalkboard we actually moved from our normal this is irrelevant but we moved from our normal little round table over to the uh, chalkboard area of the school this is the 70s so it was all little groups yeah and she wrote down a thing on the on the board that was you know had letters in it and uh like way worse than just, you know, five straight line, horizontal line, 72. This was like now new things. And she said, would anybody like to uh, solve this equation? And there was nobody. And then she, you know, said, why don't you try, uh, you resident math genius? And I just looked at her like, what did I do to you? Yeah. Why do you hate me so much? But then I was distracted by the chalkboard because everything had changed. And I saw shapes um, right in front of the chalkboard, just right in front of it. I mean, just, and they were, you know, I mean, in the air, probably, I don't know, like, yay big, so 10 inches big. I don't know how big they were, but they were rotating in three dimensions, like rotating slowly. And um, there was a bunch of them, like a line of them, and they were uh, in pale colors and I counted the the sides so that, you know, like the triangle and the, yeah. and I just counted them and went through all the shapes and counted them on my fingers, you know, and was like 39. And I had never spoken in class before. And I felt like, wow, you know what? It's like better to like say something and be wrong than to say nothing. But I wasn't wrong. I was actually right. And she was incensed. I mean, she just got like, how did you do that? How did you do that? I, I did not teach you. I have not taught the class how to do this. I have not taught. I did not teach you how to do that. And I just, that was it for me. I was like, no, you have not taught me anything because you are not a teacher. You are the substitution for a teacher. You stand in front of the chalkboard in place of a teacher. And she gave me this look of just open-mouthed rage. I mean, I could just... And look, usually the kids would laugh whenever she said anything to me because I was a joke. Not now. Yeah. No one did. And she... You could just see she wanted to hit me. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I said something really, really strange that I just... Just came out of me. But when I... When I said it, it was one of those things I felt it in my bones... And I told her, um, you have the soul of a cashier. <laughs> and she reacted as though I squirted her with an air gun. Yeah. Flash forward. 
Many years later, you know, my alcoholic glory, I'm an advertising asshole, you know, the dick with the biggest cell phone before people had them. And, you know, I decided to go out to Western Massachusetts, my old stomping ground. And I'm surprised that Wally's is still there in, in Northampton, Massachusetts. And I, of course, you can't smoke unless you drink. So I smoke and I go in to buy cigarettes from Wally's, which um, I'm still blown away that it's still there. I, I walk in to pay for them and there she is. She's there, ready to ring up my, my charges. The cashier. Doesn't recognize me, but I recognized her. And I was like, wow, yeah, you lived up to your... It's it, Yeah, well, look, that was actually... That's a story in the But that's an insignificant book. story to me. Well, except it was one of the examples... That could be coincidence. Suggest, well, yes. In fact, every, we'll talk about... Ah, uh, no, 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 no. We're going to get I to heard it. what you just said. Yeah. And I, and no. Well, Coincidence. We're going to no, talk no, 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 about no. coincidence. We'll get there. Yeah, because you're an expert on coincidence. I, I, you know, you wrote very cogently about coincidence. But things Although, have happened since I've written the book mm-hmm. that I need you to Good. tell me. Great. To explain. Good. I was hoping we get after the point at a certain point where you could ask me questions. You see, that. I'm very, I'm a strange creature in that. Um, it's not that I lack emotions. <laughs> I have them. I do. I'm human. Yeah. But I'm also very clinical. And um, I have no beliefs in general. I don't really believe in things. I mean, you know, I don't really. Unless I know there's a thing. Unless I. But even when I know a thing, I know that. That. I'm a creature that is made out of very specific materials. So my knowledge of the thing could be completely flawed. The only thing that matters to me is. Um, the elemental truth of whatever it is, no matter what it is, everything, no matter what, the indivisible, elemental, fundamental, rock, bottom, bottom, bottom truth of things. And I am not prone to um, talking myself into something or... um, believing in something because probably partly because of how I was raised, you know, as my parents were, um, I mean, my mother was mentally ill later. My yeah, father was a drunk and they couldn't raise me. And yeah. so I, I didn't have any adults yeah. in my life that were, I couldn't go and ask for help or assistance. Yeah. I, and I was on my, I was on my own, you mm-hmm. know, and when you are on your own from a really early age and, um, I was also molested. As a kid, yeah, boy, you're, yeah, we're going to go all those places. Well, we are. Yeah. No, but but that the reason I m- mentioned that is because all the adults were useless to me. Mm-hmm. So I come from a perspective where you're all fucking useless. So I have to figure it out myself, and it's inefficient to lie to yourself. Sure, it it's not practical because you're gonna you're gonna bump up against a wall, your own wall. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, of course. So and no matter how hideous something that's is. That's why you're so frustrating to me, because you have the soul, the soul of a scientist in that sense. Right. But at the same time, as and I, and I keep, well, I kept, uh, a line from Richard Feynman kept coming up to me when I when I read this, I have to admit, yeah. which is that the easiest person to fool is yourself. Yeah, and I believe so, that. I and, totally believe that. I believe that. So, um. And that's why beliefs are, beliefs are, are dangerous things yeah, to have. sure. You know, yeah, and if you do have them, it's okay to have them. Um, uh, how can I say this? It's like, a belief is like an old house. Mm-hmm. You're the caretaker of it. <laughs> you can have it, you know, until the next person comes yeah. or until it's, it's no longer valid. Then yeah. you got to get rid of it. 
Wait, most people. That would be nice if most people did. I think well, the problem is it's really, really hard to discard for people to discard beliefs. But and I find it exciting to discard beliefs. That's oh, you see, that's and why you should. That's be a what you're going to have to do that's today. Why. Yeah. Okay. Good. Because I'm going to try and I'm going to try and help with that, but also other things because that is exactly what being a scientist is all about: is learning how to be wrong, right, and, and enjoy it, right. And see, I actually like to be wrong. Well, me too. Because um, it's baggage that you now have shed and you're closer even if yes. you're adrift you, once you know you're wrong and have deep and you've left a belief behind you may be in limbo but you are now closer to the truth absolutely because it means and that's a better state. to learn it means right. because it, you know if you actually knew everything well it wouldn't be worthwhile you know you wake up and what would the hell would you do every day and and in mm -hmm. fact i often think when it comes to really advanced civilizations, when people mm -hmm. talk about why we haven't been communicated with, I think at some point, if there was a sufficiently advanced civilization, they wouldn't bother communicating with anyone. Oh, well, they would, yeah. yeah they, I, they'd probably especially pity us. Yeah, well, they would. I don't think they'd even care. No. Yeah, but, okay. Um, you said in one book, that's, this surprised me, and this was one of the few things I didn't trust. Right. said you started reading at 24. And, um, and, and I know, look, and but you started well, writing no, I it. At understand the, that I could read. Yeah, of course you could read. I that. could read, but, um, and I read as a child, I think I read, you know, I read a house with a clock in its walls and I read, um, what's that thing with the pig? Oh, oh, a Charlotte's Web? Right. Um, but when I so saw my mother gave me away to her psychiatrist yeah, and yeah. it was a house filled with chaos and, and I mean now, you know, eccentricity in quotes, but it was you know it was, a lunatic it was, asylum. It was definitely and there was no privacy. So when you think about it, oh, in order to read, you've got to have uh space, time, peace, mm -hmm. quiet. Sure. And I didn't have that. So reading was like a luxury that I, I couldn't have and didn't didn't have. Um so I, I wrote instead. Yeah, well that's what amazes me because that's what I find Fascinating. You wrote all of you've written all of your life. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, Since from I was a time tiny. you're and and writing without reading is a very surprising thing because I think most writers would say the reason they became writers because they really like to read, and you love to write. Now I surmise, as your psychiatrist, mm -hmm. right, that you you had this tumultuous and unpredictable life, mm -hmm. and writing gave you some much-needed order and focus that you could turn inward on and... and and That's correct. Yeah. And, and in fact, actually, I, one of the questions I was... We're jumping way all over the place. I was going to ask you if you think writing saved your life because it, later on, there's this wonderful description in, um, in uh, 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 one of your books, which is called... Oh, I've got to remember the name. Whatever. Yeah, well, no, no, because I, I, I'm going to refer to it again in a bit, so I want to get to it. But um, about... The time when you were an alcoholic, mm. and you read this thing by Eisenhower, mm -hmm. in, in and um, and you oh. started to write, right? And it's you stopped drinking, mm -hmm. and it looked to me like um, that that uh, that it saved your life. Possible side effects, I think that's the book. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there's a one, you know, I was going to read a, a few paragraphs from it because what it clearly did is it sort of focused you, and then every day you seemed to drink less and less, and you wrote more and more, and you ended up writing your first novel as a result. Right. So I had always written in my in uh, some sort of form, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and then when I was living with a psychiatrist, it became a uh, uh, a constant thing because I was writing in a journal. So it was a physical book mm -hmm. by hand, and that created a wall. 
this, you mm-hmm. know, little 45 degree opaque wall yeah. behind which I could hide. And writing is, um, I was never writing with a capital W to be a writer. Yeah. My mother was a writer. She was a poet and she yeah. had not been published. And to me, I associated writing as a, as a career with complete failure, misery, and mental yeah, illness. Your mother was your, So yeah. I was never, I was not going to write. Yeah. I was writing to, um, to uh, understand, you know, what I felt and what to do about it and, you know, and also just writing to what was going on. To try and understand what's going on, to try and internalize, to figure be able out. to have that. Going. Yeah, yeah. And so then, it's always been the most, it's a natural thing. Now, I think that both parents spoke in grammatically complete sentences and um, that is helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, my, I was always corrected. Yes, yeah. To whom? Yes, I, there's a few places. In Into books. which? Your my mother, mother or your aunt. Always being corrected. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that was, you know, early on. That was just something that was ingrained. But, well, you, but you, I mean, you alerted, uh, you know, alluded to it. And, and it's possible to not know anything about you, not know you had the most dysfunctional childhood imaginable kind of uh, mother who was who was ultimately indeed mentally ill mm-hmm. who then eventually caused you not only to spend m- much time with her psychiatrist who was also crazy yeah. but eventually gave you up to to him uh, I- I- as a legal, legal guardian, guardian lived in this crazy house full of real kids and adopted kids most of the adopted kids were were also his former patients Psy- or, well, current psychiatric cur- yeah, cur- patients cur- yeah. so you were living in a house full of psychiatric patients right. who were Basically, given more or less free reign without any. That's right. Without any supervision. That's right. And he had toilet bowl rings where he would scoop his turds out. Yeah, of the toilet yeah. There's that great thing dry. where he talked. Where he, he, that he was looking at God, and we'll talk. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Uh, when we'll talk about t- turds and God, right? Because I tend to associate those things a lot. Anyway, he did Bible dips where he would open the. Everyone did Bible. Yeah, dips the Bible dips. Open. Well, you see, I was. Gonna, you, you, we'll talk. Yeah, I want to read now. That. The Bible dip thing is interesting because what they would do is say. Basically, it's a magic eight ball. Yeah. So, yeah. should I go to the mall today yeah. and open the Bible, put your finger down, and God yeah. would what you landed on that word was mm-hmm. your answer from God, and that really is the magic eight ball. Except, except the eight ball says things like yes or no, and this says a random word, and then you'd need either you one of your si- sisters, quote unquote, right. or the doctor. Yeah. So, whatever it was, it looked like, of course it would be interpreted in terms yeah, of how exactly. they wanted to interpret whatever yeah. they wanted to do, which is great. I yeah. mean, if you're if you're going to use it as a guide, you might as well have a reason to do exactly what you're going to do anyway. Right. And I I think there's you know I read something in the new book, and it hit me, and and I'll read it. It, it says it takes extreme horror for me to feel better about my own life. <laughs> Which now that I think about it is what people are always telling me I do for them. Right. So screw it. And then I thought, shit, that is the reason I'm drawn to you. And I'm wondering if it's the reason you're so damn popular because we all have dysfunctional childhood, mm-hmm. so, not at your scale. And it's so well, in refreshing. Ways. It's so refreshing when you feel sorry for yourself right. and your dysfunctional childhood to f- see someone whose childhood just blows yours yeah, away in dysfunctionality. Worse. I know. It and, is. And, and and I thought I'm just one of those I'm just one of those Oxen Burroughs groupies who just enjoys learning about how miserable you <laughs> like me and I like elevators that swallow people whole when they reach the top as they toss their babies to the onlookers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And I thought, well, okay, that must, um, it makes us all feel better to find out how miserable other people are, I guess, at some point. Now, let's just go into your mother for a little bit, mm-hmm. because she wasn't just mentally ill. She was fascinating as well. As she time. was fascinating, and she was um, brilliant. And But there was a clear, uh, there was Mother 1.0 and Mother 2.0. Mm-hmm. So Mother 1.0, you know, was um, 
there was a sadness about her. She mm-hmm. was unhappy. You know, she's not yeah. happy with my father. My father proposed to her by threatening suicide. So already things are, you know, yeah, not good. It's not a good way to begin. Not happy. <laughs> but she was brilliant. Yeah. And um, she was creative, um, but she was also scientifically minded. Then um, she became uh, mentally ill, and it was sort of a seasonal in the fall, yeah. have a psychotic episode. Um, sorry, as I pulled the microphone cord around. Uh, yeah. But uh, in little time, um, it was, it, it just completely, it was no longer seasonal. It yeah. just took over. Yeah. And her mind was basically shattered, you know. And um, she had a stroke. And after she had a stroke, she never had any more um, psychotic episodes, which is kind of interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Right? From a, mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, she... You know, she was awful in other ways. You know, she, I mean, she was awful, but, uh, you know, it's clear that there's this amazing admiration and love at some level. Early or, young, young. Or, or young, mm-hmm. yeah. And then you're you're quite open about later got, on. Got I want to read it. It's It shocked me. You say, basically, I have no regrets about about letting her go in the last years of my life. I was, yeah, no, I had I had no contact with her for the last whatever it was. When, did she, uh, I was trying to remember what age she just gave you to the to the legal guardianship 12. of this great, of, of the Dr. Finch who we now right. know as someone else. 12, I wrote down 12. That's good. I was good mm-hmm. at that. Okay. Must be the cosmic thing. Right. But, um, and actually there was something, you know, it hit me. I have to ask you. So it's a crazy house. This doctor, later on in your books, you talk about how, how your your husband has uh, now went to a, uh, you were in Connecticut, now went to a doctor's at Yale, and yeah. Yale medicine meant a lot. And it hit me, wasn't Dr. Finch yeah. male? And I thought, yeah. it's amazing this Full dichotomy because you, because you said, because you would think that Dr. Finch as a Yale, medica- uh, Yale yeah. educated Educa- doctor would not give you the same admiration for Yale medicine that you seem to have now. I was kind of surprised by that. You know, I think that in the beginning... Um, and I don't know this because I didn't know him, mm-hmm. but I had, um, I've spoken to people who did know him in the very beginning. And in the very beginning, I think when he was a young doctor, um, allegedly he showed promise and he was, he was intelligent. Oh yeah. Some of the things he said, uh, when at least but he was, read. you know what he was? He, he was like a, uh, he was a cult leader. Yeah. Really. He yeah. really, really wanted to be, he really wanted a religion. He surrounded himself by low self-esteem women that um, were deeply devoted, and he had numerous wives. Yeah. Um, and did he have? Did he? Uh, uh, it's not il- explicit. I, it looked to me like he might have affairs with many of his patients. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And people tithed to him, which I didn't put in the book because I just forgot. I forgot about it. But everyone tithed. Yeah, everyone tithed him. That's what. Mm-hmm. That's what he made. Okay. And that was the house you're put in, as I say, in the, the, mm-hmm. for this utterly crazy man. And the and not only was your mother you know, write poetry, sort of abandon you at some level and full of uh, uh, psychotic episodes. But she also, and this we don't learn till memoir number nine. Right. She also told you at a young age that she was a witch and you're a witch. Right. And I, you know, I want to get there because I think that... um, I've I've said that... Disturbing, I know. Well, no, I've said that, that, that... Religion is child abuse. Yeah, because you talk to kids about things before they right. they are able to. Tra- these are deep yeah. concepts. I agree with you. And so I, I can't help but I think that your you. willingness to abandon or to abandon disbelief regarding witchiness it is somewhat related to the fact that you were told very young that this is what you are, and we'll get right. to. Th- and you know, I hate to jump to conclusions, but that's what I'm about to do. So. Right. No, I t- I'm with you. 
Okay. Now here's, let me just two, read you two things about, two, mm-hmm. two quotes about your mother, because one of them I think is very important. Um, anyway, she said, uh, I'm not tortured or torn apart by leaving my mother. I don't feel guilty for giving her none of me, and I don't wish I could change anything that happened. Mm-hmm. I believe the only difference between my mother and mothers who kill their own kids is one really extra shitty day. Right. She didn't drive into a lake with me strapped to the back seat, but probably because she couldn't find her car keys. That's right. Okay. And but okay, so that I thought that was a beautiful way of sort of reflecting your that's, view of your mother. Yep. I mean, in, in, in there are three books yep. you can read about that. But but then I thought there's another aspect to her that I think uh, I think must be very important when I read it. Anyway, mm-hmm. and I could be wrong, but you say my mother has been a perpetual victim. Mm-hmm. Everything was always somebody else's fault. That's right. This sickened me. And I resolved to never play that role. Right. And I think that's so important. Yeah. This notion of victimhood, because you could even if you've been victimized. No, that's the point. Because your life, your early life, is is a history of victimhood. And the 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 canonical thing you would read today, we live in a culture of victimhood. Unfortunately, that's that's what people gets gets them through the day. And if anyone could say they were a victim, you could. And it seemed to me she saved you in some sense by providing herself as a foil. She kind of did. She threw herself into the teeming water filled with sharks in yeah, a way yeah yeah by being a victim so that i could see the gore that resulted in because avoiding. i mean you were you were basically raped as a 13 year old i yeah. mean uh, more or less yeah, would be, totally and had a relationship with this 33 year old man insane. who was one of, who was who was insane and yeah, horrible and 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 um and people nowadays would basically say they're scarred traumatized for life they can't work they can't do this and yeah. i and and none of in no sense does, at least, do I get the sense when you're writing that you're trying to say, "I feel sorry for yourself." It's no. more like, "Well, here's here's a here's a really fucking crazy life." <laughs> well, my feeling is that the things that happen to us, the mm-hmm. horrible things that happen, they um, they are a they they are they, once a horrible thing has happened, it is. It is unalterable. It is an unalterable fact. It is an unalter. It is it now part of you? Mm-hmm. If you were a ballet dancer, and you ran the Boston Marathon on the day that the Boston Marathon was attacked, and you and your legs were blown yeah. off, yeah, and you were a dancer, um, there is no sense in in seeking understanding mm-hmm. or seeking an apology. Yeah. Even though, even though um, no one in the world would begrudge you um, the the search for understanding or an apology, no humane person would ever say, yeah. "You who lost your legs in the Boston Marathon, you know, how dare you? How dare you want an apology?" You know. But the reality is that if you've lost, if you were a dancer and you lost your legs in the Boston Marathon, you have to accept now that you don't have legs. So what does that mean? What you have to do is take a fresh inventory of yourself because now you are new. Mm-hmm. You are new now. On the surface, it may seem that um, you'll never dance again. But you don't know that because Boston's pretty c- close to Cambridge and Cambridge is MIT and there might be some 24-year-old there who's invented a really cool new polymer that, and maybe there's a way that you can dance and, you know, maybe it's not going to be the way you envisioned dancing, but um, perhaps you can dance. But you're never going to get to that. You're never going to get, you're never going to have that meeting at MIT 
if you are fixated and stuck on the moment the bomb blew up and the moment your legs exploded. Yes, it's horrible. And whatever it is that's happened, yes, it's awful. But there's nothing that can alter it. So, and not only is there nothing that can alter it, whatever has happened to you has changed you. And it's been my experience that inside of every horrible thing is a good thing, Mm -hmm. is a good thing um, that that uh, you have to find. Really, you kind of have to make out of the horrible thing. Um, It can lead you. If you can no longer dance, perhaps you end up teaching. And in the process of teaching, perhaps you save somebody's life or something. You know know what I'm saying? So um, the being a victim, even though you've been victimized, has always repelled me because it's inefficient. It's just like people who say they are haunted by the past. Well, yeah. A lot of people can't get over the past. They say, you know, they can't get over the bad childhood they had, you know, the past. And if you really think about it, the past doesn't haunt us. The past is no longer here. There is no such thing. Mm -hmm. Once a thing has happened, my zipper just hit the desk. But that's gone from the world now. That moment where my zipper hit the desk no longer is part of the world. It, in fact, there's no evidence of it. Well, except there on the camera, there's there's a picture of it and there's a sound, but it's no longer a real thing. So it doesn't haunt us. What happens is maybe it's the smell of a new shampoo we bought that, you know, reaches our limbic system and triggers a memory from high school that's traumatic and we go back and we think about it and we think about it and we get all those hormones Mm -hmm. activated and we get trapped. We haunt the past. The past doesn't haunt us. You know, that's why so much therapy is useless and and, and based on bogus science. Talk, much talk therapy is useless. Going over and over and over a thing is pointless because understanding is not woven into the weft and weave of the universe. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to understand because it's impossible to, to know what the other person was thinking in it. There's just so many variables. And then once you, if you did, if you did understand it, what good is it to have understanding? It doesn't change whatever it is that's happened. Um, well, look, this is, you know, your review on therapy. Did you ever go into, did you ever do therapy? Were you ever forced to do it? Yeah, I mean, I've been been in, yeah, and it's not been um, helpful. Now, you know, the interesting, we, not I've had a long discussion. The, the one aspect Most of Most things you can fix yourself. Now, I want to say, okay. there's some things you can't. Yeah. I mean, like if you've got borderline personality disorder, yeah, you need to be in therapy. Mm-hmm. There's some things, you know, therapy is very useful for. Yeah. So I don't want to dismiss therapy, you know, it's... Some people need it, and it's absolutely useful for some people. You've got to realize that it's a product, and you've got to go in there with a specific goal in mind. I want to not be this way. Uh So you, therapist, I'm going to give you this money, and you are going to motherfucking fix it. And if you can't do it, then you need to, you know, 
You have to. You also have. A, when you go to therapy, you got to understand it's a business, and they want to keep you there. Yeah, sure. Repeat business is always good for well, you. Well, they all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and it, yeah. So someone remaining thick. So for you got to always. You know, you can't just. You can't go into therapy, hoping it'll fix you. Do you think? By the way, now it just occurred to me as you're talking that that attitude towards therapy. Of course, one. I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier. Is you were observing a therapist for? I mean, Doctor Quote Unquote Finch. Oh, yeah. What, I mean, so you were observing it and observing him have patience for an extremely long time. And I don't know. I mean, I can't presume whether whether the goal was to cure them or to keep them uh, tithing. And yeah. I'm, did that whether that did that impact? Oh, them? you know, probably. But I think the thing that had the most impact was really being on my own mm-hmm. and realizing that I have to figure I have to solve my own problems. And. When I when I realized I was going to live in this house, that it was not just for a day or two or a week, but that it was like my new permanent life. Yeah. There was a a period where I felt I was going to die. Not that I was going to kill myself, but I felt like little kids need their mothers. Yeah. So don't yeah. you like? Isn't I, I just I I just kind of assumed that I would die, like uh-huh. a heart attack or <laughs> something, you know. And the more I thought I thought about it, you know. I thought about it a lot, and I thought, you know, back when we took a trip to Mexico when I was a kid, I was five. My mother, her best friend, her best friend's kid who was my age, he got lost on the streets. We eventually found him. But I was thinking, you know, once I was living in this house for good, I was thinking, if that had been me, and I hadn't been found, and I was five, would I die? Without my mother? No mother, no father? And I thought, well, you know... Probably could find someone down there in Mexico that would, if not love me, at least put up with me. Maybe I'd do work for them and they'd take care of me. But if I didn't find them, I could have um, crawled around, you know, found food. People are wasteful. I could have found food, you know, in dumpsters and things. And it's hot, so I'm not going to freeze to death. And I realized... It would have really sucked, but I wouldn't have died. And that's when I kind of had the epiphany that parents are really a luxury. <laughs> um, you don't really need them. I mean, after a certain point, yeah. once you no longer, once you can walk and think, you don't need them. Um, it's better if you have them, I think, probably. On the, well, it depends. I think it depends on the parents. Yeah. I mean, you know, for the most part, if you've got a good one. If you have one parent who is good and loves you, and that doesn't mean buying you the coolest clothes. Sure, it just sure. means that they, that, 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 that's great. If you've got two, you know, that's parent lotto. But if you have none, um, it does not doom you. Yeah, it doesn't doom you. And it, uh, it, it's interesting. You know, it's funny because... Um, and it's more upsetting I guess, to people I, you know, who I just, have parents. I resonate because... When I think about when I said asked you about your mother's foil for victimhood, mm. when I grew up, my mother was a foil for me. I looked at the things she did and said, "I don't want to be that way." Huh. And All she right. was very useful, not by yes. training me to the way I should be, exactly. but by behaving exactly the opposite exactly. way of the way I wanted to be. And then similarly, I guess for me, when my just around the time my parents got divorced and there were huge fights, I suddenly realized, you know, I'm yeah, they're kind of just adults having troubles, and I happen to live in the same house as them, but. But that's sort of an accident of circumstances. But that's right. it. Sort of totally changed my view towards them as parents. Right. When I saw them as just human beings that were that's an incredibly incredible flawed. moment. 
Yeah. When you see your parents as as people. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my mother won't be listening to this, so I'm not. <laughs> so I can talk about it. But um, the, one thing did come up with uh, with therapy actually when you brought it up that that came to my mind when I was reading the Toil and Trouble uh-huh. book, which is about the fact that you're a witch. In case I haven't said it, right? Or that you think you are. Right, which is which is more accurate in my opinion. Right, but um, well, now that I am, yeah, 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 yeah. you're going to change your yeah, mind. Uh, you're going to change me, sure. Exactly. It's the word is problematic. Yeah, no the definition it, of the word. Yeah, no, well, is we're going to. I, there's a lot of different definitions of witch here that I found fascinating, mm-hmm. and, and you know, in hour five we'll get to them. Yeah, but um, uh, um, the so yeah, so there's that. Um, but now where was it? Now my mind has gone about what I was going to hit you with. Um, oh yeah, the therapy, the, the therapy uh-huh, thing, right. Because one of the people I've talked to is uh, um, Elizabeth Loftus, who's a very well-known psychologist who who was was played a key role in this. You may remember this era of these recovered memories where therapists were telling these kids yeah. you know, that their parents had done weird sexual things right. to them and their parents were putting jail. And it was all being input by therapists. Yeah. But I... I, I would be immune to that. Would but... you? Because I, when I read some of the memories, right. I can't help wonder, in terms of... I'll, I'll put it in the most blunt yeah. terms. In terms of the damaged childhood of being told you're a witch, right? I often wonder whether <laughs> whether uh, uh, whether you view the memories in that kaleidoscope and say, okay, I, I'm I, I remember it in that context, sure. but it really, but it wasn't as uh, as amazing as it really seemed to be right. after the fact. You know what? For um, the answer to that is that um, no, my memories are accurate, but. I'm perfectly fine dismissing every example in the book. Mm-hmm. And we'll say I, that... I can count to 26. We'll say that every single thing that I remember in the book, we'll just say for argument's sake, is completely incorrect and we'll only discuss which in the context of things that have happened since I've written the, the book. book. Okay. Where my memory is not fresher. only more accurate and fresher, but there are witnesses. Okay. Good. Okay, and, we'll get this. And film. Yeah, no, okay. So I, just so you know, I don't want to dismiss but no. all, at all, but I want to reflect on it because there are, the book, look, it's like, to make it clear, it's fascinating. It is a, like all your books, it's a fascinating memoir of remarkable uh, experiences. The th- and and these, these experiences are remarkable. But you see, here's the thing, to, too, that it's, mm-hmm. I wouldn't believe it either. Mm-hmm. And that's why I didn't write it because... Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't want people picturing me in a velvet cloak, burning sage. Yeah, sure. And, that's, and if you don't mind, there in a little bit when we talk about witches, I there, you wrote me a note when we first when you first warned me about the book. Right. Do you mind if I read it? No, go ahead. Okay, we'll get there. But I want to. But we. But I don't want to leave your father untouched. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because you know this is sure. a kind of therapy session. So, right. So we've, we've okay. we hit on your mother, who was a foil. Yeah. But also an example because oh, she's yeah. creative. She she so she her she good qualities were an example. Her bad qualities mm-hmm. help you. Avoid yep. them, and I, I, I really, you really kind of get the sense of that yep. when you read it. Your father, however, as far as I can see, was universally negative. He was useless. It, it, yeah, and he, and it, I love this description. It's come, it's in Running with Scissors, uh, which I read. It says my father was otherwise occupied in his role of highly functional alcoholic professor of mathematics at the University of Massachusetts, and he's actually philosophy, but it's in the book. It says oh. Legal. Oh, okay. Legal. Okay. So Legal. that would be. Okay. That's right. I forgot about that. Sorry, but okay. Um, anyway, he had psoriasis that covered his entire body mm-hmm. and gave him the appearance of a dried mackerel right. that could stand upright and wear tweed. Right. And he had the loving, affectionate, and outgoing personality of petrified wood. Yeah. I thought that was just a great. <laughs> and so, as far as I could tell, I've never in any of the books seen an example that. I mean, that's 
There was never he was never anything but that, right? So my father was very very frustrating to me because um, as a young child, you know, he was he was very serious and sort of always grading papers, and I you know. I remember asking him what philosophy was, and he would never give me a definition. He would, you know, I was too young to understand. So at some point, um, I had a lot of questions. And um, at one point, I asked him about the universe. And we were at the kitchen sink, and he drew a bubble of the universe. And he said, well, you know, it's a... Uh, not not the galaxy here. It's that there's uh, there's uh, many other galaxies, you know, and that they. Uh, I suppose now they they uh, they believe it's expanding. And I said so, and it was like he drew a bubble, like you had a talk bubble. Uh-huh. And I pointed to the space above the talk bubble, and I said, "What's that?" And he said, uh, "Well, that's just, that's just nothing. That's just a paper." And I said, "No, but I mean, if that's the universe, what's that right there above it?" Well, nothing. And I said, "But what? It, but what is nothing?" Well, son, nothing is nothing. And I said, but what is nothing? I I didn't I didn't believe in nothing. It's you know. So nothing's really close to my heart. So um, it was. It just it shut the whole conversation, conversation down. Yeah. Instead of trying to get you thinking, instead of trying to get me thinking about what nothing was, was it was just it was just. Don't bother me. This yeah. is the answer. And, and let, so let I was left it. with questions all my life and left on my own to try to figure them out. Because I think of, I live, I'm uncomfortable in so many ways. I'm uncomfortable physically all the time, but I'm uncomfortable mentally all the time, much more. Because of... And it's been, you know, since childhood. What's I've always I, I loved watches. I loved digital watches, LCD. Yeah. But I was also pretty alarmed by watches because forgive the pun. What are the oh, right? You see, I see. I did, okay. That's why I was bad at tests. I don't get things like that because what are that? What what are they keeping track of? Like what is it? Like I get yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, it's from one o'clock, and now it's two o'clock. That's us naming a thing. What is the thing? Like, what is it? What is time? What is it? Like, where is it? What's manufactured? So it seems like, and and trying to understand what it is and why there's always more of it and then where, like, it's gone. Oh, oh, what? Look, there's another chunk. We get to be here to go. There's another chunk. (laughs) It's never, it's never, it never stops coming at us. And it reminds me of being in advertising years ago when I was at the Charleston Shoe Factory in Boston. And Charleston shoes are made on really, really old machines, custom made for the manufacturing of Charleston shoes. So the thick latex-like formula is extruded onto a moving conveyor belt on either side of which are dual razor blades that... As the goo passes along the belt, the blades cut away the excess. So the process of creating a Charleston chew leaves residual matter dangling over the sides. (laughs) You know, and that's like, is that what time is? Is it just because like, if the universe is expanding, is it 
That's what that, when we get more time. Is it like Charleston shoe residual? I mean, what the fuck is it? Oh, we're gonna get there. Okay, I was, good. because yeah, no, I mean, I hope this solves things for me today. Yeah. I really do. We're gonna. I, I want to uh, after I've after I've eviscerated. Uh, you, you, I I, I want to yeah. allow you the chance to to, to to chat with me because I know you have lots of questions because you're fascinated by science and and um and as I say, you in many ways you have a scientific spirit. I wondered when I so I, as I look at your parents and so your father is this universal piece of wood. Who is no no use to you? Well, he wasn't very curious, which was really disappointing to me. He was just not a curious man, which is interesting. You'd think an academic, and it was just such a disappointment. Whereas your mother was a curious person, very exactly, and and as a role model, and you're a curious person. I'm wondering whether, though, that because I I read that, and I also read about your brother, who's Mm -hmm. a little older, who was also very uh, sort of down to earth, mechanical, scientific, and you said my. But you also said in 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 um, in uh, uh, I think writing with scissors, um, uh, my brother was hopelessly without style or any sense of what was going on in the world culturally. Ask him who Deborah Winger was, and he'd say, "Is she another one of those freakish finches?" But ask him to explain how a particle accelerator worked, and he could talk uninterrupted for hours. He could even draw you a diagram with his mechanical pencil. It pained me, <laughs> and I'm just wondering whether they're all their foils in another way. They represent this sort of. Ra- straightforward reason rational academic view of the world and they were people that you didn't view as role models mm-hmm. and i'm wondering whether they were foils for you in, in just as much as your other mother was and it's in saying i want to dispense with the organized academic rational reasoned world no i actually loved going to the university mm-hmm. i loved my father's peers ah interesting um his peers were very warm and I I loved then as I do now the environment of a campus. I find it very comforting. Mm-hmm. Um, what um, my brother? So my brother was, um, and we don't have a relationship now. He, you know, was uh, he's seven years older or something like that. Yeah, seven years older, um, autistic. Um, but you say you're on the edge of autism. You've, at least you've written that. I mean, I've been, you know, something, something, yeah, yeah you know, mm-hmm. something. Um, uh, so not, we didn't, what I wanted to dispense with was not um, the logical thinking. It was the lack of camaraderie, the lack of a brother. There uh, was no, there was no, like, I have, I have had much more affection for early ThinkPads than I did with my brother ever. <laughs> I still remember one of my first ThinkPads, and I just love that thing. And, you know, I never had that feeling for him, and I know he never really had it for me. Oh, interesting. So we're similar in that way, I think. And I'm actually similar to my father, just, um, you know. Uh, well, I, what, it's hard for me to imagine that. But. Well, he could be logical, um, but you know he was very contained, not curious, but contained. But he was he was logical, but he was not. But he was contained. Well, okay, okay. Well, it's interesting that I was wrong about that then. But but um, but is also interesting. It seemed to me, if I try and relate to the current book, that your brother was this sort of analytical, at least as far as I can tell, analytical, mechanical, scientific. Yeah, uh-huh. And very mechanical, mechanical, That's mechanical, a, and soldering. But, but at the same time, not you, as, when your mother told you you were a witch, right? 
it made quite clear early on that your brother wasn't a witch. Right. And I'm that was I'm I'm trying to ask myself, were the when your mother told you you're a witch, and you want to be a witch because your mother and because there's a lot of neat things. Oh about no, being, I didn't. Well, hold on. There's a lot of neat things about being a witch. It's exciting. You know, you weren't Samantha as you talked right. about and wiggle your nose and. But there are lots of. But the idea of being able to make things happen has got to be very exciting for anyone. And I'm wondering, so whether whether the fact that your when she told you your brother isn't a witch, that that was added further alert to the fact that she was and you were that the creative artistic side of you was tied in some ways to be to witchiness. I'm um, just a question. No, I think it was because the reason that she called me a witch was because something very specific occurred that had never occurred with her first son. Okay. There had never there had never been an occurrence with him. And until that day when I was 8 not with me either. So she really thought now the, the occurrence was by the way for people, the, the, your grandmother you saw her so I was on, in a, on a on a school bus. You can you, you you probably tell better than me. Well, I I liked the hump seat on the school bus uh-huh. and I was prone to um and still am prone to uh Staring at a shape or out a car, just staring and uh, at nothing. And I will have not a thought in my head. And in fact, when I'm backstage often, um, I'll get snapped out of my nothing empty-headedness by someone saying, sorry to disturb you, you look so deep in thought. And I sort of inwardly laugh because it's like, I literally do not have a thought in my head. I'm not thinking anything. So I was staring out the window and um, we had two small wooden bridges. I lived on dirt road, two small wooden bridges that were pretty close to each other. So, you know, and the, and they were small though. So, but there was a little bump and I, you know, who doesn't love a bump? Yeah. Um, and on the second bump, at the moment of the second bump, I saw my grandmother's head in my, in front of me, like an image as right now, if I say basketball, to you, do you suddenly see orange? I'm some blind, people don't. I see basketball. Okay. Um, well, some people aren't really visual, so they yeah. don't even see basketball. Well, I'm very, I'm pretty visual. Most so people, I do physics, right? Like, mostly pictorially. So most people, you know, when you say when you suggest, if people are visual. If mm-hmm. you suggest coffee mug, people will quickly visualize. So when I say I saw my grandmother's head, it was like that, and there was a laceration on her forehead, and it was accompanied by the knowledge that something bad, bad. Wrong. I mean, kind of like those two were bad, wrong, what? The second bridge was very close to the bottom of our driveway where the driver stopped. So I ran up, rang the doorbell. My mother opened the door. Um, she was on the phone, which was, you know, in the prehistoric days of technology where the phone was attached to the wall with a long cord. And I said, her, my grandmother's name was Amma. And I was upset, and I said, something happened to Amma, something bad. What happened to Amma? What happened to Amma? And I was, you know, really upset. And she was startled. She, you know, continued speaking for a little bit and got off the phone pretty quickly. And she said, what did you say? I said, something bad happened to Amma. What happened to Amma? How did you know this? I was on the bus and went over a bump. And I saw her. And she said, that was your Uncle Mercer on the phone. And he's calling from the hospital. Your grandmother has been in a car accident. And she has a punctured lung. 
and she has a uh, scalp laceration on her forehead, but she's going to be okay. And I said, okay. I felt relief, but at the same moment, I felt scared. And I said, Mom, how did I know that? And she got this look on her face of like, I don't know, it was sort of, I guess, sort of love, but surprise and almost mischief. Um, she could be fun. My mother could be very funny, but she was not funny, but, but she bent down, she bent down and she said, you knew because you are my son, which wasn't really a helpful answer. Mm-hmm. She said, you know, what a witch, you know, looks like. And I was like, you mean like on the Wizard of Oz, like, like, you know, the, the Horrible dumb one and the cool one who could, like, train monkey. I mean, <laughs> well, which looks like your grandmother and looks like your Aunt Curtis and looks like me and looks like you. And so began. So began me. Um, my mother telling me that I had come from a long line of witches and what it meant and what it didn't mean. What it didn't mean. So my mother believed... Um. Not in um, spells and incantations and herbs. My mother believed that um, we, and perhaps many people, contain um, what in some people is a dormant sensory apparatus. And that... um, there was nothing supernatural about a witch. That a witch, you know, it was, it's not this, it's not that, it's not that. Um, I remember having a dream as a child that I was floating in a room at a party, hovering. Sure. Or doing and trying like it, yeah. you know, and like being upset. Like, why couldn't I do this? And she said, because you, people cannot, you can't hover. <laughs> a witch can't do anything that defies the, know, laws, the, of the laws of physics, you know. Yeah, but she can do many things that people believe defy the laws of physics. So it was, um, you know, after all, no, go ahead. Well, I mean, you know, when you say it that way, I mean, if I was a kid and I could learn that I, that I had that opportunity a possibility, I would be enthralled. I would be so excited. I didn't, I didn't really know what it, what it meant. Um, it explained some things to me. Mm hmm. Um, about myself that I had experienced as a, as a young kid, but never, mm-hmm. never really talked about. Um, but it was also unreliable and, um, it was something that I couldn't always control. Excuse me. And the part of it that seemed strongest, um, so, okay, so one of the things my mother would talk about was creating something. Mm-hmm. And that's really the part that's debatable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hang, But I hang on to it because I think it's useful. Um, so my mother would talk about want, want for nothing. Yeah. We don't, we don't want for something. But through focus... 
and 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 pure pure focus we cause a thing to occur yeah and that resonated with me um after I got over the disappointment that it didn't mean I could make yeah. um, a new bike appear. Um, the idea that with pure focus and concentration, I could accomplish that which I desired to accomplish was useful. Of course. It's it's useful as a, you know, my mother told me, you can do anything you want. But... But you work at it, you can do anything you want. Now, it's not necessarily true, but it gave me the confidence to do that. And, and Now, that, whether... Whether I would have achieved or obtained the things I did beneath the umbrella of being a witch or un- out from under the umbrella... Is completely who perhaps yeah, yeah. Who, perhaps fact, exactly you're open to that in the book. You as I, I, I want to give some quotes where you say, "Well, this this might have happened might anyway. happen anyway." All yeah, of it, yeah, yeah all, all of it, and, and all of it, and everything I, that my I've response because I'm naturally skeptical. Yeah. yeah, it might have happened anyway. Right, and 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 well, well I, I want to. But I wanna, regardless, because, focus though, whatever you call that's a very good thing, and focus, pure focus is important. It's a wonder. No matter what, yeah. and 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 so is understanding the thing that um, that you want versus the thing you wish you wanted or want to want. So all of those things um, are are useful. Oh sure, and 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 I think that's the point uh, to me. If I if I'm reading this, is that there are lots of useful things that allow have allowed you to do things you've done, and there are other things that you interpret in certain ways. Which I'm skeptical of, mm-hmm. but the end result is the same, regardless of the way you view it. I guess, and and I want well, anyway. I, you were going to say something. I was going to say the part to me that is most interesting and significant is the part where I will take physical action. Um, often illogically I will take physical action um, in circumstances that don't warrant the action only to find out later that I was reacting to something that has now occurred. Yeah, yeah, that you did something and you had no reason why you're doing it and you, you refer to this bunch of time in the book and afterwards it turned out if you hadn't done that, something disastrous could have happened or at least n- negative or something good happened because of this action that appeared to have no relationship to what was going on. And I, we'll talk about some examples. I, I, I want, But what frustrates me, you see what I love about the conversation and what I love about your attitude but frustrates me at the same time is that you're not like a gullible. You're a no. skeptical person. I want to get to that. In fact, I want to get to the next. Except there's two questions okay. I have to ask you about yeah. your origins, just because I'm okay. interested. How many 
dogs have you had? I mean, it seems to me oh, I've, your whole <laughs> life is like full of dogs. Yeah, it has been. What a funny question. Yeah. I mean, all my life. I count, uh, yeah. So, I mean, six, I counted I mean, six no, or eight. Oh, in, no more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah must be. And, oh. and, and, and my point is, they're also all just, most of them are dysfunctional. <laughs> well, and, and so I'm wondering if that's just, way, a, if that's just you're enjoying their dysfunctionality as a, just like I'm enjoying yours. Our dogs are never trained. You know, we don't yeah. train them. Yeah. They're customized, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So they're all very, and they never fight. They get along great. But they're, um, you know, they're funny creatures. Well, they're a part of you, part of a key part of your life. And, and they all seem to be, start, many of them started as mistakes. And then, it, and yeah. then later on, they're lovely and they're, wonder, they're a central yeah. part of your life. But, but you recognize them as mistakes. I mean, we had, you know, we gave one away recently, which is something we never did. We had one, a Rhodesian Ridgeback that had a, um, oh, it had a, um, a overbite. Mm-hmm. And it would look at us with such disdain. As it and, it and it and its ridgeback to us became a mullet, and it would look at us, and if it could speak, that ridgeback would have said, "I hate you." <laughs> but when our friend Sherry would come over, it loved her. Oh, he loved her. So if I went to cuddle with him on the couch, I would get growled at. Oh, interesting. But um, so one day, you know, Sherry was going through a rough patch, and she said, "Can I take?" him Gunther home for the night and Christopher and I didn't discuss it and we both said you know what keep him take him keep him so he still visits us he hates visiting us he'll put up with it (laughs) but well I just uh, but yeah no. I love dogs but but it's amazing to me how many you have and mm-hmm. you, when, no matter how many you have you seem to always have more well there's which, a reason I gotta replenish a, them yeah if well, I no, could I'd not just more. replenish them but I mean there's you had two once then you got a third and then you yeah. got a fourth yeah and and, and I thought never wow, had more than four at four once. is a lot never had more than four at once yeah. well anyway it really hit me so and um but but let's I've I I, I did that for me but because it, it, it I digressed okay. because I was fascinated but I want to get back to the fact that you're from the moment you were young, you had a skeptical nature. And yeah. the greatest example, I love this, it's from Side Effects, is um, the reaction you had when when your one of your grandmothers, when you had a loose tooth when you were a kid. Oh. And, 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 and she told you about the tooth fairy. Carol. I got I got to read this. She said, the tooth fairy is a fairy like Tinkerbell? You know Tinkerbell, don't you? I did know Tinkerbell, the irritating cartoon insect. Yes, I said, I know that thing, I frowned. Well, the tooth fairy is like Tinkerbell, and whenever you lose a tooth, you place it under your pillow at night before you go to bed, and then the tooth fairy slips into your room and takes your tooth away and leaves some money in its place right there under your pillow. Real money, sweetheart, that you can spend on whatever you like. Carolyn. Huh? And you said, I was horrified. (laughs) I imagined that creepy bug woman with her devil wand sneaking into my bedroom at night while I was sleeping and taking my teeth and leaving things under the pillow that shouldn't be there. Cash, (laughs) which my father said was very limited. And something I knew I shouldn't have. Then I and this and I have to say this one too. Then I climbed into bed and prayed to Jesus. At this point, I wasn't sure where I stood Jesus-wise, although my parents never attended church or mentioned Jesus except when they screamed at each other, and then they used his full name, Jesus Fucking Christ. They did explain that he was a man who lived in the sky and granted wishes to certain people, people he liked. So I prayed, "Dear Jesus, please keep it out of the room." 
please, I promise, 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 I'll be honest and very nice to everybody, and I love my mother and father and brother and all my relatives here and all over Cairo, Georgia, and I love everybody I know and even people I don't know now but will know someday, and I promise everything, but please keep it out of my room and away from me. Thank you, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> right. So to me, that, I mean, captured both because— you were, you know, this this thing that you're supposed to love. You immediately sort of thought of as a, a, skeptically, why would I want to have this thing crawl in my room? And of course, there's the religious aspect of Jesus fucking Christ. Clearly, right. Don't take that seriously either. You and, know, it's funny because there was a period in my life where I wanted to be religious. Yeah, I yeah, really, yeah. really wanted to be religious, and I also got Santa and Jesus confused. Yes, yes, yeah. I and read about that. I yeah, I did. I think I did. I did write that in one because because it's very you know when you're a little kid. Yeah. You. You can't really yeah. tell which one's the one that sends you, you know, to, gives you presents and yeah. which one's the one that's bleeding on it. Well, I think you said, you, I mean, like, I, I, but it's funny when you said that, a reason I remember it is because my attitude towards religion, it was very much like my attitude towards Santa Claus. When I was young, of course, I w- wanted to believe. And, and then you, you grow out of it. You just simply grow out of it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like you can't. Yeah. You and just can't. Yeah. Because. Oh, and, and it's uh, a disappointment. Yeah, it is. But we, there's that, no big brother. There's no one going to pick you up from the mall in the sky. And in fact, that's what's important. When when when, re, when you talk about being a witch, you say at the very beginning of the book, here's a partial list of things I don't believe in. Right. God, the devil, heaven, hell, Bigfoot, ancient aliens, past life, life after death, vampires, zombies, Reiki, homeopathy, rolfing, reflexology. <laughs> and so it's clear you're not by nature no. a, a sort of person who who falls for this stuff? No, but and that's why the the witch thing makes it even more interesting. Of course, be, if you, if it fell for it naturally, it would be less interesting. Yeah, no, right. And, and but so no, you, I get it. Yeah, yeah. For me, that I I find that that juxtaposition particularly frustrating because um, there's two things that that um, uh, that I that I think of. One when you talk about this is it was from the X Files. Fox Mulder says, we, "Never want, seen that." But well, the, it's not. You haven't missed much, in my I opinion. Should. Well, the one part you should see is where uh, above his desk, where he says, "We I want to believe." Oh, okay. Because that's we all want to believe. Hmm. I mean, we're hardwired to want to believe. I think, and and we want to believe those stories. And I and I kept in the context of the witching uh-huh. stories. I think I thought of we want to believe. That was one thing, but the other comes from a scientist. When I when I read the very well, you want to say something? No, I want to say it's not that I want to believe. I want to know. Well, you know that's what Carl Sagan said. By the way, he said I don't want to believe. I want to know. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. You see, I told you you're a natural scientist. I want to know. But but Richard Feynman and witch. You know the thing about witch too is I like the word because it's historical and and it it's just. But as my husband says. It needs a new word and a PR agent, you know, because he's Swiss. He is like when I told him aspirin came from trees, willow, but he's like, uh, no, it comes from a drugstore. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he had never experienced a coincidence uh-huh. until he met me. Interesting. Well, you know, but you, but it shouldn't need a better PR. You were an advertising executive. You should be able to do the job, right? For, maybe that's what this is to try and to try and. Give witchiness a different, a new. To give it a new, a new, a new, a new twist. Well, yeah, or try to understand like twist. what one aspect of it is. Yeah, what one aspect, and and there's so many aspects, and I want to try and get to them, and, and then to the science. I hope um, the, the the the. But when we talk about that particular initial experience that you had of uh, with your grandmother, 
Mm. It it resonated with me or hit me and mm. my skeptical side immediately. Right. For a variety of reasons, but all, okay. but also but specifically because of an example that Richard Feynman, who was a physicist uh-huh. I have always greatly admired, um, used. Feynman used to go up to people and say, "You won't believe what happened to me." You, you won't believe what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And people say, what? He said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> and and because he said, you know, you can dream and you can have so many things and they're nonsense and they're nonsense and nonsense. And you dream one night that your friend right. is going to break their arm or be in a car accident and you find the next day that they that they broke their leg and they, you know, they fell off a horse. And it's, it has significance. The law of and, pretty large numbers. Well, we, but we want everything that happens to us to be significant. Yeah, I know that. And, right. and I know and you we're talk about the law. Of, you talk, in fact... With great authority, you read uh, the that, paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. by, by mathematician right. I know well uh, yeah. about law of large numbers right. and and coincidences. Right. But we make those things if we have something that works. It's not just the coincidence that happened. That's not the, that's not what mm-hmm. I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. That happens. Mm-hmm. It's that we when they resonate, we remember them. When they don't resonate, we don't remember them. So if you would have had that experience and you went and said, "What's wrong with with Anna?" Mm-hmm. And your mom said, oh, she's fine. I'm just talking to her on the phone right now. I wouldn't have read about it in the book. Right. And so the so the, the thing, my natural suspicious part is, do you pick and choose the things that work and remember them mm-hmm. and not remember the things that don't? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, I think that I totally understand that question. Um, but I have a um, a high level of... Um, self awareness mm-hmm. and of um, skepticism. Yeah, with respect to everything. Everything it seems to me, except this. so. Well, even this, you, you were skeptical about. A lot I will of give books. you an example. Okay, and um, and this is a good example. This is a good example. Um, so neither of these are in the book. Okay. I don't. Okay. Oh no, no. One of them is. One of them okay. is. Okay. One of them is. Um, and it was when uh, one day, so we lived in Battery Park City, mm-hmm. which is you know very tip of Manhattan. Yeah. So down. And my husband worked uptown in his uh apartment, so he would leave in the morning for work. Now there have been periods in my life where I, am I don't I'm not paying any attention to media at all. Mm-hmm. I'm in a blackout mode. Oh you know? yes. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about here in this. And so it was one of those periods where I just had Turner Classic movies on, you know, didn't leave the house. My little, uh, my phone, what do you call it? The Fitbit thing app on my phone had 50 steps, you know, from taking the dog out to the front. But um, I, on this particular morning, just freaked out. I just was like, oh my God, we live on like on an island. Like on an island. If something happens, we're going to be trapped. I need a Zodiac boat. Like, I just freaked out. So I went to the bank and I got cash and I went into Soho and I bought, um, I needed like a cross-shoulder bag that was discreet where I could put, you know, I have a lot of jewelry. I needed to be able to stash it away in there with cash. Went to the Army-Navy store, um, got a Navy SEAL knife and a tactical flashlight, um, went home, realized, packed it up to see if it all fit it did then realized I should probably have a suitcase and keep it packed so I packed a suitcase and then went on Amazon looking for uh, Zodiac boats and then uh, ways to pump up a Zodiac boat if there's no power like a foot thing and 
you know, didn't get didn't get the job done. Uh, Christopher came home and was like, oh, good, you're packed. And I was like, oh, you bet I'm packed. I'm ready now. Bring it on. But he was looking at me like, okay, let's go. And I was like, go where? And it was this weird sort of awkward, like, mm-hmm. you have, you're, you're packed. I mean, get up. Let's go. And I was like, go where? And he said, have you, have you, do you have you not seen the new, do you, have you seen anything today? Have you heard anybody talking? Have you, and I was like, no. And he said, okay, so there's a storm coming called Sandy. And there's a mandatory evacuation of Battery Park City. We have to go uptown. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I told you to forget everything in the book. Yeah. Let's say that I heard someone discussing Sandy in the steel. One thing I noticed living in a high rise, yeah. when I put my head in the pillow, I could hear, um, I could hear distant. Other, other people. Well, little, I couldn't hear anything enough to make it out words, or at least not on a conscious level. Yeah, not a conscious level. But let's say that that's what happened. Yeah, my thought was sometime in the day when you walk the dog away, exactly. you hear people going up the stairs or something. And that I wasn't, it wasn't aware consciousness, of it. but it, Let's say that subconsciously I overheard yeah. someone say mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's say that happened. So here's something that happened since, since the book. A couple things. Okay. Um... So this was, I don't know, shortly after the book had been sent off to the publisher. So my office, we live in, like I mentioned, an old, you know, 200-year-old house. It's got an attic. Yeah. Really cool attic everyone kind of wants that you see in movies no one ever has, right? And that's my office. Floor under that bedroom. And uh, there's a back old stairway. So I go down that back old stairway in the morning and go through the dining room, which is a brief room, into the kitchen for coffee, which I then take up the back stairs into my office. So this was just an ordinary day. Nothing, nothing unusual about it. And as I approached the edge of the dining room table, blocking my vision suddenly was a diagonal black line. And like I described seeing my grandmother's face Uh with the knowledge that I may have trouble getting to my office, something blocking the office, something. So I turned around and I went upstairs and for the second time in my life, I packed (laughs) jewelry and everything of value into the black suitcase that I had actually packed closing before, but that's irrelevant. Yeah. And I took it downstairs and I put it under the dining room table. So this is the the second time mm-hmm. only that I have ever packed a suitcase for no reason. Okay. I've never packed a suitcase for the sake of packing a suitcase. Unless I have severe brain damage and have, in fact, repeatedly packed suitcases. You don't know about it. Yeah. But let's assume that's not the case. The psychiatrist that I saw once said that people like me that he sees 
with this whatever he called it sensory processing, which is you know one of those things that they when they when they have the collection of symptoms that I have tend to have memories that extend deep 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 into childhood. We don't uh, lose adapt the memories you know that that most people get rid of anyway. So so for the second time I packed the suitcase um, and I went and I went to the living room with my coffee and I uh, went lengthwise on the couch and my back was against the arm of the couch stretched out laptop and um not long not long uh you know later and i really don't remember how long it was but you know a couple hours uh i heard what just this just it was a loud enough sound that i jumped off the couch uh-huh it just was like the roof falling. I jumped off the couch, and as I did, glitter, just the floor was just sparkling. I turned around, and a fucking tree branch had punched not just the uh, window, but uh-huh. the frame. Now, those old houses are plaster. You know, they're yeah, they're tough. Yeah, I mean, you know, old chestnut is like steel. Sure, but there's a big branch, and it punched into the room so I went outside and I was like oh fuck why why today <laughs> and, and but the problem is that the tree branch here is not it's not obviously not big enough so I go around the house and I see that it had split in half because uh-huh. there's another half of it on the patio but it doesn't appear to have done any damage over there patio is it's fine. is what do you call it uh that stone, some whatever, yeah, okay. old rock, sheet rock. No. So I go upstairs to the attic, and I'm pleased to discover that in fact there is no vertical line, there is no branch through the attic. Okay. And as a matter of fact, there is no hole in the attic. That's a relief. Yeah. However. Everything that was on that side of the room, uh-huh. including a chair, is now on that side of the room. Which means that if I had not taken irrational action, the result would have been thousands of dollars in damaged jewelry because the jewelry. Would have shot across. Would have shot and bounced across a wall, and that would have damaged stones. So, a lot of these items were on. There's a shelf. Uh-huh. It's over the window, which is sort of you know, and this the apex of the roof. I would say the shelf is about whatever that is, three feet from the apex of the roof. So it's a high shelf, you know, and that's where the trinkets are. Everything over there, opposite side of the room. So here's another thing that's occurred. Um, so when reading the book, you know, you know that we had a tornado, mm-hmm. we had storm. Yeah, you damaged, had a lot of problems with your trees. That damaged. <laughs> we had some damage to the fence. So the house, you know, had a fence that's yeah. been there since the '90s, uh-huh. a wooden cedar fence. We repaired it, and just recently, um, you know, had it finished and fixed. So. Now um, that I I own a uh, online jewelry store, I have a workshop in the basement because sometimes things need to be polished. Mm-hmm. 
for example, jade beads. Um, so I, you know, that it requires, you know, I mean, I've been doing it for years. It requires, you know, diamond paste and a certain level of skill, but it's not something that requires uh, thought. Okay. But it requires very specific eye and hand stuff. So often I just daydream, you know, okay. or space out. Sure, why not? Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, this was right before tour. And I, uh, a truck has uh, knocked the fence out as I'm arriving home from somewhere. I see this tractor trailer pulling away. I'm shouting at him. He drives off. Fucking fence just had fixed is down. So I'm on the witness stand. And the lawyer is saying, but Mr. Burroughs, I have to ask you, is it not possible that there were, in fact, two trucks traveling in tandem on this day and that my client was in the second truck inspecting the damage, unfortunately inflicted by the first truck? Would you not acknowledge that that is a possibility? And I, in my daydream, replied, well, I don't believe it's possible for me to give you a 100% accurate answer because I'm not a mathematician uh, or a statistician. So I will have to give you a human, non-professional answer. And what I can tell you is that A, I work from home, and B, I don't ever like to leave home, which is to say, I never go to movies, I don't go shopping, we don't have things to shop at, so I go to the grocery store. So I am home more often than the average person, and I'm always aware of traffic patterns because it's so close. So in the years, the four years that we've occupied the house, I've observed that between one and on a heavy day, three box trucks will travel down this road, which is a narrow road. And probably twice a month, a tractor trailer will turn off the main road and attempt to go down this narrow road and reverse. I've never seen a pair of box trucks or any trucks other than maybe pickup trucks, cars. Never seen a pair of trucks traveling on this road. Now, on the road next to it, yes. In fact, there was a period where there were regular convoys of trucks as they were assembling the power station down the road. But on this road, I've never observed a pair of trucks. So, a pair of trucks appearing on the very same day that our fence which has been standing since 1997, is taken out. 
seems to me to be so improbable as to be beyond the realm. So for all intents and purposes, no, it's not actually a possibility. And I had this whole, and I was getting like all, you know, angry about like, and then I snapped out of it and, um, you know, went upstairs, went out to the grocery store for dinner and um, came home. And there's a fucking trailer truck parked in front of our goddamn house. And there are two cars. And I say to Christopher, stop the fucking car. That truck has taken out the fence. But it hadn't. You could see. Uh-huh. But you could only see the, the, the fence curves. And I yeah. said, no, no, he's taken out the fence. Quick, stop. I got out, walked over. Motherfucker had taken out the fucking fence. Uh-huh. And, um, so I started yelling, Hey, get out of the, drove off, you know, Mm -hmm. all the cops, cops came over making dinner later. And, um, so we sit down, uh, we eat in the living room, like college students Mm -hmm. watching, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then I remembered, Oh, I forgot to tell you. So when I was downstairs, I was working on that necklace. I just had this like, fantasy thing so I actually saw it occur what three and a half hours before it did and he said or I said, what do you mean or his meaning was or I caused it and I was like <laughs> no I didn't cause it I didn't cause it but I definitely saw it so that those are two examples that have occurred yeah, since the since book. book. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Uh-huh. But my um, and I understand your point about all the coincidences that um, do not bear fruit, uh, not being mentioned or, or remembered or noticed, because we all have crazy dreams or thoughts or days. But I don't believe. We are all as focused on the significance or as aware of coincidences from such an early age as I am. Yeah. So. um, But do you think that. Even one that was um, not beneficial or did not bear fruit. I'm skeptical that I would overlook it. Okay. Because my question. Yeah. Because I I would love to. To to find out that um, it's in fact completely meaningless. Now here's the other thing. Um, I'm a catastrophist, so mm-hmm. I'm always expecting the worst possible thing to happen. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, when something when it does, when it does happen, yeah. right? So how do you how do you know? Uh-huh. And an interesting thing an interesting thing is that. Uh, the times that I take action of some sort, even if I don't know why I'm taking the action, those seem to be the times mm-hmm. where it's a good thing I took the action. Yeah, no. So I... what 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 could be a possible? Now, with my grandmother, for the sake of argument, mm-hmm. for the sake of argument, um. Let's say, let's pretend that my memory is in fact accurate. 
mm-hmm. that in fact, if we if we had a recording of that day, we would see a small child, an eight-year-old on a bus reacting and upset and, you know, mm-hmm. let's just, sure. for the sake of argument, say that. Um, how is it possible that I would be aware of my grandmother's accident? And to me, it doesn't seem remotely peculiar because imagine our earliest days as humans uh-huh. when mom's in the cave with the little cubs, uh-huh. you know, or the house or the little hut, right? And maybe she's got an, a new one in the oven, so she's kind of not too steady on her feet. And the mate yeah. is out, you know, over in the valley there gathering up berries and small animals and squirrels on sticks to bring home for a feast. But mom, mom sees this very curious cat, large, not terribly friendly looking cat, Uh circling, you know, back and forth. Mom needs a way to text the husband, the mate, and say, you got to get your ass home. Shit's going down. And it would benefit our species if we had a way to do that. Yeah, sure it would. Wouldn't it? Yeah, but just because it would benefit doesn't mean it exists. But, you know, some moms get eaten and then... But, but, okay. But, let's look at it this way. So, the sounds Uh that my dog can hear. Yeah. Right, you so your dog can hear things you can't look. I, I know where you get. I'm just okay. gonna go, because of course, I, I mean the book. Your, your discussions are eminently scientific. I, I don't have time, unfortunately, yeah, yeah, yeah. to to read the wonderful definitions of of witchcraft, which are not, you know, levitating and doing all that. It's just it's a kind of sensory uh, sensing a world that's underneath the world of our. Of our of our senses, that's be there's more to the world than we see, and of course that's that's what the mm. science I do is all about. Well, I'm not doing just, justice. Yeah, no, but if we had another hour, I, I I would read all of your descriptions, which right. are which are very. In fact, the ones your mother gave you are particularly scientific sounding. Mm-hmm. There's energy, there's signals, and things like that. But the point is that um, that but you also said when it talks about how it would benefit us, and somewhere I, I was very heartened when you said. You know, the earth isn't flat whether you like it or not. It's right. just not. And and just because you want something to be that way in the world, that doesn't mean doesn't mean it is. Right. And it would be great if we had that characteristic, but it doesn't mean it is. And and I guess, so I'm going to throw out, I'm going to jump ahead and throw out to you some of the reasons I'm scientifically skeptical okay. of, of, of having this capability to do things that would just sense... The, the the structures that are going on in the world beyond our, our our ability normally to do it, and that some people might be able to mm-hmm. be particularly sensitive. Now, I do think, by the way, uh, uh, jumping ahead a little bit, that that people some people are particularly sensitive to cues, and I suspect, in spite of human cues, human cues, mm-hmm. and cues of the people around them, yeah, mm-hmm. and in spite right. of the statements you make about being awkward or artistic, I suspect you're probably much more sensitive to the cues of the people around you. Mm-hmm. Than you imagine, and 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 you you strike. You are oh no, I think I'm very. I know that I'm very sensitive, and I think that sensitivity, yeah. you know, can often uh, you, you can be sensitive to things you didn't even know you were sensitive to. But part of the problem of this knowing what's happening at a distance, one of the many reasons that a, a scientist would be skeptical, okay, yeah, is that 
there are a one there are, first of all there are two properties yeah, okay. of, of signaling. Okay. Good. One is that the that the the ability to see it goes down with distance, usually distance squared. Mm-hmm. Okay? So one of the real problems with people having remote sensing or 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 telepathy or knowing what's going on on the other side of the world is that even if such a sensitivity existed, any physical mechanism, any physical mechanism to translate a signal from one end to the other would decrease in its efficiency with distance. It would increase in its power with the square of distance, it turns out, because it would spread over time. And so one of the real problems that many of us have with with the kind of some of well, the Well, that's kind not of a good argument because you wouldn't know the threshold for that distance. No, but, but you just... You, you don't know how strong a signal you, would be for the nerve yeah, neurons to be able to pick yeah, it up. Yeah, and, and but, okay, so, but in general, one would find it be much less efficient to know what's happening well, in Georgia. Well, less efficient. I may Georgia. not know what she was wearing at yeah, the time yeah, of the accident. Yeah. But now, now we go... But let, let's talk okay. about threshold. Okay. So the amazing thing is that we, we are, of course limited in our sensory abilities. But we, as scientists, have have produced devices that are amazingly sensitive. Yes. And, for example, take the Arecibo radio telescope. I use this as an example. So if there were a light bulb on Pluto, mm-hmm. we'd be able to, and someone turned it on, we'd be able to detect it. Mm-hmm. And so we can sense things at a level of... A, a sensitivity that is unbelievably small that are happening at the other end of the universe. Right. And it is highly implausible. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way, because mm-hmm. in science, things are either not no, true I or understand. false, they're either yeah, exactly. probable or not probable. Mm-hmm. It's highly, highly, highly improbable that if there was something that was so produced a signal that was detectable by this, by your brain or your body in some way, that, that it would evade the ability of any of our amazing devices that can sense things at not thousands, not millions, not billions, not even trillions, but 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 many trillions of times less sensitivity than we have. And we also know that if there was some mechanism, that you have to have a mechanism in, law, in physics. So mm-hmm. if there's something, and, and your mother talks in terms of signals and energy, mm-hmm. we can measure energies. Mm-hmm. We can And we can measure these things <coughs> at levels that are so... That are so much smaller than the levels that would cause the the cells in your brain to have a chemical reaction mm-hmm. and produce a thought. Mm-hmm. That if if there were such things that did that, it's highly amazing to someone like me that we wouldn't have other ways of detecting it. It's just so so uh, remarkable that you'd be able to to do that. And, and don't fact, a lot of things isn't measurement. Something inherently difficult in your field? Yeah, and while you talk about quantum mechanics in, in the book in an interesting way, and you say, well, if we measure something, we change it. And it's a wonderful, in fact, at the end of the book, it's a wonderful paragraph about basically just that, that somehow, you know, there are mysteries. Uh, uh, yeah, let me read it because I loved it. Um, and something, and let's see, it's not, it's just before the owls. It's, um, it, I inherited from her something people say, cannot be real. Something that defies logic and science. It is something that cannot be measured in a laboratory. Yet in science, the closer one examines something, the more impossible it becomes to measure it. That, and, and then you, you say, we, in the, the last, we live in a physical world where the mere act of observation alone is enough to alter that which is observed, to change it from one form to another. What is that if not magic? Is it so hard to believe what a witch can do? 
Right. And and I and and I, so I I I I love the intent of that. Yes. The problem is it's not true. Right. Uh, in the sense that yeah, quantum mechanics does you, when you measure things you you can change them, but the closer you look at something it it depends the better you can measure it. There are other mm-hmm. there, there are variables you can't measure as well. If I try and measure the position of an object with more and more accuracy, I'll be able to do that. I won't be able to know its momentum. I won't be able to know where it's going. So it's so measurement is an issue, but we can measure with unbelievable precision. That that you know that I can measure. I was just talking yesterday to a group of black are holes. I can measure the light from a black hole fifty five million are, light years. Are away. we certain that that distance is what we think it is? Are you certain that distance is what you think it is? That I'm we, trying not to be certain. Are you? Anything. Do you think that our I mean our machines and and it's like internal logic that do we do we know that distance is a thing? Well. We only know... Really? We can, we can only... Hold on. And it makes sense with our measurements, which we create and interpret. Uh, yeah. You can say that everything is subjective, except we okay. try... We, it, and it is, to some extent, distance is relative, as Einstein showed. But the problem is that we what we, what we do is we test that idea. We don't right. assume it's true. So we find many independent ways of doing things to see if they gave the same answer. So we don't trust that one distance measure in the universe is right. Mm-hmm. We make a big point of saying, let's try and find something that's totally independent. Mm-hmm. That, in fact, could falsify the first observation. And that's, by the way, something else I want to talk to you about in terms of the science of what you're talking about, which is falsifiability, which is a key part of science. Tell me what that is. Well, it means, can I, well, let me, let me ask, let me put it in this, let me, let me illustrate it to you by asking you this question. (laughs) What could I say to convince you that you're wrong? You could explain to me, um... With the recent examples, for example, why I packed a suitcase of valuables on a day that the valuables turned out to be in danger. Why did I do that? Okay. Now, um, as I like to say to religious people, yeah. lack of understanding is not evidence for God. No, it's no, no, evidence that's fine. of lack of understanding. Okay, that's fine. So I'm just... willing to say I don't understand that, Tell... but, but then I can ask myself... Well, what might it? What, what what possible? What might? What might have? Because again, I think it's significant that I haven't done. Oh, it oh sure. Oh, so, absolutely. But what do, what do you think might be a good? I can give you lots of arguments. I wasn't there, and 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 I may not have a good explanation. One one is What's that one? it's not the first time a tree has fall has hit your house. It has seems to happen a lot at your house. You have big trees surrounding your house a lot. If I read the book, mm-hmm. that's one supposition I might have. But but before, instead of giving you, let me read you because the question you're asking when you wrote when we first wrote about doing this, right? And I said, "Great, you're writing a new book. I can't wait." I know. And, and you said, and then you wrote me, and I thought, "Oh no!" <laughs> and you wrote me and said, "It's about being a witch <laughs> for a long line of them," which is something I would not believe in. I don't believe in homeopathy or God or right. ghosts, but I know witchcraft. I know witchcraft is real. It suffers from a name issue. Needs a new PR mm-hmm. agent. I believe the thing called witchcraft and the various ways in which it's manifested in my life have a neurological basis that is not known. Right. Okay. And if I do you read believe the that. book, you will either think I'm lying about everything or you'll be forced to admit that at least some of it, of not all, uh, some, some if not all people, some clusters of neurons are able to receive information that would seem impossible to receive given our current map of the brain. I was surprised I wrote the book, frankly, because it's something I've never told anyone. I totally get how delusional it may appear, but I offer startling examples. 
It's why I've studied physics my whole life. I'm very suspicious of physical distance. Everything we observe, we do so with limited equipment. Agree with you 100%. But here's then I said, oh, I'm a little skeptical. And you right. responded, I would be totally skeptical too. I would love to have an explanation that I doesn't would. require so many question marks. Right. Now, so let me, when I thought of that, once again, I'm going to give you an example from Feynman. Okay. okay? It has to do with UFOs. I've talked to a lot of people who told me amazing experiences with UFOs. There was a time when I used to debate UFO people. I don't do it anymore, but there was a time when I used to. And they tell me about their experiences. I saw this, and how can you explain that? And the answer is I people, can't. You mean people who who've have seen them uh, or been some, not necessarily the ones who've been abducted, okay, but the ones who've seen them, seen amazing things in great detail, okay? How can you explain what I saw hovering among my yard, that 25 that silver object that hovered and then went down and, and a bright light came and it zoomed off and came back Some and then sort of neurological and I couldn't and I couldn't move at the same time. No, you know what? No transmitter. No. Screw up. I, well, yeah, I can try and come up with a lot of explanations. But but what Feynman pointed out, mm-hmm. at least I think I learned it from Feynman, is I may, I'm, I may not have any explanation, mm. but I will ask the question, what is more plausible? Right. Given what I know about the universe, is it more plausible that those were aliens, like Matthew and, McConaughey yeah, and Jodie Foster? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I'll and what and the point is, I'll eventually, ultimately, I'll say, given the laws of physics to understand them, almost any other explanation, uh-huh. as ridiculous as it sounds, is actually more plausible than the one that appears to be the obvious one. Mm-hmm. And so, when I when I when I as a scientist, when I when I think of the of the of many of the of the things you talk about, which are startling and amazing, I ask myself, well, like it's weird. I I can't explain that, uh, but I I don't necessarily need to try. I have to ask if I accept it to be true, then what other implications does it have That's for what I know about the universe? Exactly. Universe, and it when it defies everything I know about the universe, not what we don't know, because there's a lot we don't know. But what's really important for people to know is there's a lot we do know. Yes, and it with and if it conflicts with what we do know then I become highly suspicious that there is some explanation that I don't understand. Well, I feel like it can't possibly conflict with what we do know because well, we know it. So how do you work it in? That's <laughs> no, the thing. No, well, but if, it's but, like but you got the fi- requirement. You got to make it. How do you make it work? How do you figure out like what is it? Well, uh, I mean, you, you, then it can't you, defy it. it well, can't. you can try and study it. If we know, if we know, but here's certain the problem. things. But some of the th- but here's one of the problems. Right. Some of the things you discuss don't have falsifiability what do you mean okay namely i can't by by fall there's no way to show that they're wrong let me give you some quotes from the book okay okay well, i hate to be so contra- contrary i love it okay um <laughs> but it but I, it's useful for me because i think it's talk uh, it talks about no, the nature I of science it. i love it i, I love talking I to you so it. it's okay um um okay so uh your mother explained Nothing works on everyone 100% of the time. Magic itself never works 100% of the time. And some people are highly resistant to outside influence. Either they're so fully preoccupied with ongoing static of their own thoughts and worries and to-do lists that there's no entry point, or they're dim-witted and their neurological system simply isn't equipped to receive our high-energy signals and instructions. So now, when you try something and it doesn't work, what does that mean? Well, now there's an out because it's the, it's the other person's fault. I can't prove... I agree. Just, okay, let, that one example. Let's let's go to another. Chaos magic. Okay, um, chaos, yeah. chaos magic. So basically, um, uh, 
it, it demands you shapeshift. If so, here's here's right. how you do shapeshift. I, I no, love I, this description. I, I, you know where I'm going, but I'm gonna yep. read it anyway. If because the audience doesn't yep. yet. If what you're doing isn't working, do something else. And if that doesn't work, do something else again until right. something works. Right. So the point is, well, if I just keep yeah, not working and I eventually it works, see what well, sticks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. Let's Noodles try, on the wall. Let's try another one. You talk about, um, you know, uh, again, it's with Christopher and and uh, and Valerie Harper in this case, and and you know, and right. And you said doesn't always work. Doesn't always work. Sometimes they simply guess, and this invariably fails. But if I actually see the misplaced thing, it always works. Well, that's true. Well. The question is, how do I know when it doesn't work that you saw it, but you don't remember seeing it? Okay. Well, okay. Let, maybe that's too suspicious. But let me go to the last one. I've just picked a bunch. But it happens. Okay. But, but, but the, 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 let me finish, let, and then it, we'll go. It happens with a greater frequency. Oh, but he. Okay. Here's the one. Okay. That that really surprised me the most. Right. Because and 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 I think it has to do with Christopher and his illness or potential illness. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and and what is wonderful of the book is you is it's full of innate skepticism. I have seven quotes from the book of where you're skeptical of yourself, oh, yeah. and you have an ultimate moment yeah. of doubt. Right. In fact, there's this great there's this great moment of doubt where you say, "It's a reminder that I am impulsive, destructive, prone to periods of paranoid, mm-hmm. delusional, obsessively catastrophic <laughs> thinking, and that I'm afraid of the yeah. unknown and all that I cannot control. And I've chosen to live according to the supernatural belief system indoctrinated in me by my severely mentally yeah, right. ill and benzodiazepine <laughs> addicted, narcissistic, and bipolar mother." Exactly. And you say, and it's this moment of self doubt. Maybe this is, and of right. course, then what you later on show is that doubt was misplaced. Right. Okay. That doubt was misplaced. But what? What what you say at the near the end of the book is, I won't always be right, but I will never doubt myself again, and that's the most disturbing thing to me because, because if you don't doubt yourself, if you if you that implies some kind of level of certainty, mm-hmm. then everything that happens has to to be is explainable in terms ultimately rationalized in terms of what you know to be true I know what you mean yeah. and and that's the problem with religion right because yeah. you know it's true and whatever happens it always fits in because you know the answer before you ask the question mm-hmm. and that's that you're right no I think that's I think you're right I that's not the best wording well I mean it it, it it's intriguing to me because if there's always those outs there's then, then there's no way I can really test. See, I can try and explain something, but that's not science. Isn't post facto explanation? That's storytelling. Right. Okay. What science right. is is prediction, mm-hmm. and and prediction and testing. Right. What science can do is prove things to be wrong. It can't prove things to be right. And so, if I if there's nothing, if there's no experiment I can do to prove something to be wrong, then and I can't test it, then it's not science. Mm-hmm. And and so that's at the heart of this. And if there's always an out, if there's always an out, well, you know, really it was this. I mean, it's like the yep, people. And, totally and, get it. And, and, you know, it really, it's not with you, but it's with the charlatans who, who when I talk to, say, people like my friend Pendulette or, or, or the amazing Randy, who is on a life as a magician of showing people like these spoon benders or. or, or right. And, and they're always, and, my, and, and, and mind readers, mm-hmm. and they always say, Oh, today, you know, when you actually put them in a in a in a situation where you can do a really true double blind test, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. And they say, "Oh, but you know, I it it, it never works when I'm in a room with doubters." Mm-hmm. You know, and you say, "Well, okay, when I, it, uh, right." And so I'm I, not, I, you I know, totally you're not that. that. I'm not. I'm not. I totally on that level. It. 
And and so this is my concern, and um, and it's it's an interesting one. So I can't exp- I can't, nor would I want to try and explain the amazing, remarkable things that have happened to you. I would just want to say that that saying you'll never doubt it is not a good thing. It's I mean it may give you the power. See. You maybe you shouldn't doubt yourself, or at least you should. That's that's the important thing is to exactly. say exactly. That's I why can, I said I think I yeah I agree. I've I've misworded that. Yeah, because, because I'm I mean, full of full of questioning myself constantly. And it's um, clear when you read you you are. That's what I that's that's what I find so frustrating because you are innately questioning yourself mm-hmm. throughout every book of yours I've read. You're questioning yourself. You're skeptical of yourself, and you're skeptical of others. Let me let me let me put it in a in a different context. There's an amazing story in, um, and I think, um, uh, oh yeah, no, of course, in Running With Scissors, about Hope and her oh, cat. Okay. Oh, God, right. Okay, okay, we're going to go to Hope and her cat. Now, want to put yourself in Hope's place. Right. Okay, so, um, um, okay, now, sorry, I'm do- I feel awful. Oh, no, this. don't. Okay, so I've got to get to the right book here, so let's let's go to Running With Scissors, um, and uh, and here we go. It's a great, it's a great, and oh, I got so frustrated when I read it because of what, okay, so, so Hope, Hope woke up and she woke me up 15 minutes ago, you say, and she said, I was dreaming of her, dreaming that she was eaten by a white glob. It was just awful, you guys. It was a nightmare. And all of a sudden I woke up and there she was curled up right next to me, her cat yeah. purring. And we said, Hope, what are you talking about? Natalie lay in a pillow over her head, covering her eyes. Don't you guys get it? Get what I said. Get you finally gone completely insane? No, Freud was sending me a signal through my dreams. She was telling me she was dying. And then what did Hope do? She uh, ultimately was sure she knew. She knew that she was sensing that Freud was dying. She took Freud down to the basement, put him in a hamper, and lie with him for four days until he either starved to death or whatever. Right. And he died, validating right. her thing. Now, right. what? Now the question I have for you is, how would you... T- so Hope, here's the problem. Right. Hope knows she the had, cat's going to die, and the cat dies. How could there's nothing you could possibly ever tell? Well, Hope. she knows the cat's going to die, and then she takes it down. But no, but she, right. but for her point of view, is look, from her point of view, she said it was right. le- leukemia or whatever. But from her point of view, she knew the cat was going to die, and it died. There's nothing you can do, probably, that will convince her that that no, was, right. Okay. Let me give you another example okay. that Carl Sagan used. Okay. It's a miracle at Lourdes. You know, the, at, so at Lourdes, this cathedral in France. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. So there are all these people go in, in, into, the, uh, into Lourdes, uh, France, into, to get bathe in the waters because of miracles, because the Virgin Mary produces miracles, you know. And, um, and, and people, uh, uh, you know, get cured from doing this. Now, the Catholic Church actually keeps statistics on this, okay? And... Um, and 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 they try and see how many people got cured, and and no one's ever you know ever gained an arm or a leg, mm-hmm. right? But there are some people, for example, who said cancer. They go in the lords and 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 they come out. Their cancer goes into remission. But aren't many medications? Um, aren't isn't the placebo effect in certain medications just exactly? It, it is, but as see, but in the case of lords, it's even worse. This okay. is the neat thing: the Catholic Church keeps the statistics, and they and they say. Okay, how many people have been cured of cancer of the 120 million people who've gone to Lourdes, you know, and it's like 23 or something? And you work out the ratio of people who've gone to Lourdes. It's the same as people who would... No, 
It's worse. Oh. It's worse. So it's harmful. And, but, but no, it's not. It's just an accident. But here's the point. If you, if one of those people comes out of Lourdes and they go, their cancer goes into spontaneous remission, there's no friggin' way that you're ever going to convince them that it wasn't a miracle. And there's no way I could. Right. Okay. And that's the problem with with the that I see with sort of non with, with this sort of non falsifiability. Of course, things happen that I can't explain. I can't say why you go into remission from cancer. I can't. You know, I there are many many reasons. Mm-hmm. But all I can say is, if I look, if if I say it's a miracle, then what does it imply about the rest of the world? And when I look at the rest of the world, I say highly unlikely. Right. And and. I think that that for me is the is is the uh, is is the real issue here is that um, uh, it, it, I I can't explain things I can't explain and I and I love mysteries mm-hmm. I love not knowing it's it's the best situation to be in it's what scientists want to be in and it's and it's and I suspect it's it's what you love I mean I, when you write to me you said I I love you know these it's it's a fascinating mystery and that, and and anyone who continues to be curious loves not knowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but not knowing, not understanding is not equivalent to 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 seeding the existence of God yes. or the existence of you you know UFO phenomena or 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 the existence of hope you know hope's cat dying and and so what would you say not to yourself but what could you say to hope that would stop her believing that she had a dream and look the cat died. Mm-hmm. That's the situation I want to put yourself uh, that I feel in to some extent when I'm talking to you. Although I, I don't put your what's happened to you in the same same way as hope killing your cat in a, in a hamper. I, I yeah, you know, I don't know if there's a resolution of this, but I I, I just want to leave you with that thought. Mm-hmm. And no, I totally get it. And 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 because yeah, and it's, it's something I've I've always. Um, I don't want to say struggled with, but it's what is it? That, it's like what is it? Well, that's I mean, forget the word. What, yeah, forget the word. Yeah, forget the word. I don't care which is. What is going on in the world? And aren't there strange things we don't understand? And of course, that's why I'm a physicist because there's strange things happening out there we don't understand. And that I want to end on a positive note. I don't want to end on a because there I'm, has to be. Okay, so like, was it? Uh, what year is it now? Two nineteen, right? I think so twenty nineteen. Is I remember eighteen. So seven two thousand seventeen. Uh-huh. We discovered we you scientists uh-huh. the largest organ in the body, right? Well, I don't remember the name of it. Maybe. Well, we did. Okay. <laughs> so how long have we studied anatomy? Uh, okay, so there are new things to be discovered under. I look. If you're going to tell me under our noses. There are new things to be discovered all the time. There are. I do an episode right. of this podcast called Science Matters that point out how even the close, even in the most mundane things, there is amazing things to be discovered. There are, there, there. Are, in fact, let me, let, how did you put it? In, in an and here's the thing. I, don't, I do not believe in any sort of predestiny. No. Okay. Good. I mean, I don't. There's a quote at the beginning of, um, of magical thinking. One, I think it's magical thinking. What of one of your epigraphs, um, and not that not that one. 
Oh, maybe it isn't magical thinking. Uh, 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 well, no, it's, maybe it's this book. It's Total Trouble. The world is full of magical things patiently waiting for our wits to grow sharper. I've actually used that in one of my such books. such a gorgeous line. It is. I, I've used that so line gorgeous. in one of my books. Because it so is. Gorgeous. The world is waiting for magical things to discover. I agree with you. I know. That's why They it's just important. can't conflict with what we well, know. Well, yeah. And it, but it doesn't shouldn't turn us off. And we shouldn't. And we should remain skeptical, but as you point out, we shouldn't have closed minds. Right. And 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 so here's a quote near the end of your book, which I just think takes me back to the first book of yours I read, okay? And it says, what I'm certain of is that there's something wonky going on beneath the surface of what we call reality. Things are most definitely not as they appear. Things are much, much more. And then I remembered a line from the end of Running With Scissors. Mm-hmm. Where Natalie says to you, um, don't you ever feel like we're chasing something, something bigger? I don't know. It's like something that only you and I can see, like we're running, running, running. And you said, yeah, I said, we're running all right, running with scissors. Is In a positive way, is this discussion of witchcraft just a continuation of now running with scissors, looking for the magical properties of the universe that maybe only you can see. Oh no. Oh no? Oh no. I don't need I've I don't need to have any proprietary No, anything. I don't mean only you. I don't mean by you. I shouldn't I don't that what I'm saying is is this is there not a connection between I mean what's what was wonderful about running with scissors? I mean it was the 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 life you lived was dysfunctional and, right. and and tragic in so many ways. But the beauty of it was the freedom to discover right. and explore. And that's what she's talking about. Right. That there's something, you know, the excitement that you both had, you and Natalie, that there's something bigger out there to yet discover. Mm-hmm. And I find a connection. That's why I find so heartening. Instead of the negative aspect, I find what's heartening about this book is it carries the same, the same sense of wonder that there is something wonderful out there and yes. I share that with you yes. and I don't want to dismiss or belittle the totally wonder that it. comes in this book so I want I guess I want to end by sharing saying that the message I take from this book in spite of my skepticism is that the world is a wonderful magical place and we can work together to discover wonderful things and there's a lot of neat stuff out there even if it isn't the stuff we wanted the world is the way it is whether we like it or not and you have made my world better by being here. And I want not just being here, but by everything you wrote. You keep running with those scissors. You keep running and finding a magical world. And I'll eat it up. And I am just so thankful that you're here. Oh, I'm so grateful to be here. And I'm I, such a you. huge fan. And 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 and, and 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 vice versa. I thank wish you so going for hours. Well, and hours I and hope hours. I hope we have a chance, if not here in private, to go on for hours and hours. It was great. Thank you very much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. This podcast is produced by the Origins Project Foundation, a non-profit organization whose goal is to enrich your perspective of your place in the cosmos by providing access to the people who are driving the future of society in the 21st century and to the ideas that are changing our understanding of ourselves and our world. To learn more, please visit originsprojectfoundation.org.